Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. This bothered me for years. Every time I'd read it, I'd come across it. Okay, that's interesting. Let's keep moving. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We're celebrating 100 episodes with Pastor Jeff, and his message, It Must Fall Down, is one of two brought to us from Highway Church in Queensland when Pastor Jeff was visiting recently. Today we'll be reminded we don't need to defend God and His kingdom will ultimately reign. They would know that this is Jesus. Why would they be ready for a resistance like that? Roman intelligence, we know, top of the mark. I have a saying in America, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. This is more like bringing an atomic bomb to a squirt gun fight. This is Today with Jeff Vines from Highway Church in Queensland. All right. So good to be here. Um, Clive did most of what I was going to do in my introduction. So, man, that saved me like three or four minutes. So I got an extra three or four minutes, right? Okay, good. Uh, it is a privilege to be in Australia. Most of you know my love and affinity for the people of Australia and for this land where God vacations, my one line that I use often, and my friendship with Byron. Uh, I don't know where God's going to take all of this. Uh, we have a, 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 my heart was captured with people in Australia who are in places where vision is their means of discipleship. It, it just captured my heart, captured Clive's heart. And man, it just seems like the door was opened uh, for us to say, okay, this is something we can get involved in. But I, I want to make something very clear. My personality, you can talk to my wife about this, is I would have been a great guy to be in the mafia <laughs> because of my loyalty. I'm just, it's my personality. And my wife knew when she married me, she would never have to worry. I am a one woman man. Uh, that and because I'm afraid for my life. But I, I am a very loyal person. And Highway is my home church in Australia, and it will always be my home church in Australia. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John 18. There are nine verses in the book of John 18, the first nine that I want to deal with. And because we've gotten to know each other over the course of time, uh, I can be this honest with you now, right? I can tell you some of my own personal struggles and I want to walk you through that. And by doing that, it's going to help you understand where I'm coming from. To kind of set the tone for that, this morning I really wanted to do something that was unique to you, unique to us, and let you hear my heart a little bit. So to set the stage, when I was in university, uh, it was a place called Johnson Bible College. It's now called Johnson University. But over time, its name changed, not officially but it was kind of one of those names that people breathed real quiet so no one else could hear them. It, it was transformed in what people call Johnson Bridal College. And the reason it was transformed into that is because most people knew you've got these young men and young women who've been called by God into ministry and they're coming to the same school. Inevitably, they're going to be getting together and marrying. And you're usually going to find your spouse in the four years it took to earn your BA or BS degree, whatever it is. And so if you made it through four years of Johnson Bible College and you did not find a spouse, you tended to get a little bitter. 
And so jokes started flying around. Now, I didn't write these. I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. One of the jokes, yeah, like this. And this was from the, uh, this is from the guys. They would say, what's the difference between Johnson University women and trash? And the answer, of course, is trash gets taken out twice a week. Okay, now, I didn't write it. I'm just delivering it. And then the women retaliated by saying, oh, yeah, did you hear about the man-eating lion that showed up at Johnson University? He starved to death because there are no men. So when I started dating Robin, here's what I discovered. There was this balancing act because she was clever. She knew that a lot of guys just came to school to find a wife. So when I started dating her, I had to walk a fine line between letting her know that I was interested without going so far overboard that she would become suspicious that she was a means to an end. That's balancing. And that's what a lot of us have to do in life and living, whether it be our jobs, our careers, our families, whatever. But let me tell you the balancing act that I have found in my own life as a pastor for the last 20 years. And I want you to stay with me. Because I believe the scripture again is like a beautiful jewel as you turn it and it refracts light, different angles, you learn a new truth, something there that can change you. Here's the dilemma. I grew up in a church that was dead and boring. I just don't know any other way to describe it. It was like a funeral every weekend. And it was the same topic every Sunday. You're all sinners going to hell. And everybody seemed to be okay with that. And the highlight of Sunday morning was when all the elders and deacons went out in the back to smoke a cigarette. That was the highlight. And I knew there had to be something more. Now, I had to be careful because uh, I learned a lot in that church. I had a Sunday school teacher that used the old flannel board and told me the Old Testament, New Testament story. So I got to be careful because that would serve as a foundation for my calling into ministry years later. So God can bring beauty, pattern, and design out of all the chaos of life. But I wanted something more, and I desperately wanted something more. And I knew there had to be something more than that. It was very ritualistic. We went through the motions, the same songs, the same courses, everything. And then when I was in Cincinnati, Ohio in my early 20s, a friend of mine said, I want to take you to this church. So we went to this church, and as soon as I walked in, I thought, maybe this is it. People were smiling. They were happy. There was free coffee. Free good coffee. And, uh, which is hard to get in America, as you know. And so the music and worship started and I just felt something and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to know that perhaps I found something I've been looking for. And then the pastor got up in the first 15 minutes of his sermon. I think, okay, this is what I've been, there's life here. There's passion, there's power here. And then unfortunately it turned South. His languaging changed. And I was very uncomfortable with the way he ordered God to do things. And in my mind, at that point in my life, it, it stepped across a line for me. And then they started bringing people up on the stage. And look, I'm all about healing and prayer, but I'm also about character and integrity. And this guy had a 13-year-old girl in a wheelchair, and he was commanding her to stand up and walk. But if you had half a brain, you knew in the audience that she could not. Well, it got to a point where his pride was at stake. As if, if you don't stand up and walk, people are going to think, I, I don't have power. So it became more about his power than God's power. And he was so unwilling to submit that maybe this is not the will of God in this moment, in this season, 
that he had four or five of his buddies pick this 13-year-old girl up who was terrified, whose parents were weeping on the front row, and they tried to force her to walk across the stage. I was embarrassed for the family. I was petrified for her, and I was angry at the pastor. Now, I had that experience in my early 20s, so you have to understand something. When I left the building that night, I had a real disdain for that kind of showmanship. The problem is, I went too far the other way. Sometimes when you have an experience like that in your life, what happens is you start to interpret everything else on the basis of that experience. And so now at 52 years old, here's the dilemma that I face now. I go to Matthew 26 before we get to John 18, and I see where Jesus is praying to the Father that the Father would take this cup away. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is so filled with anxiety, and that alone bothers a lot of us, but he's so filled with anxiety, he experiences an actual medical condition called hematidrosis, which is where the anxiety is so intense that blood starts to sweep in or, or, or seep in rather to the uh, sweat glands. It's an actual medical condition. So what's Jesus afraid of? See, it bothered you there, didn't it, that I said Jesus was afraid of something. In his humanity, he starts to turn. And it's not the crucifixion that he fears. It's the separation from the relationship that he has with his father. Now, you have to understand how the Bible relates this. If you imagine you take your son on a fishing trip and the son falls out of the boat. And somehow he's drowning And he swims over to the boat in hopes that you will pick him up and rescue. But instead, you take your hand and push his head down under the water and drown him. The most horrific part is not that he's drowning, but that his father has turned his back on him. Something happened that none of us will fully understand that Jesus makes that turn toward the cross. And when he does, he gets his early first glimpse of separation and it causes him to stall. And he prays out to the father. Notice how he words his prayer. He doesn't command the father. He says, if it be your will... Please let this cup pass. This is not what I expected. This is different from anything we've ever experienced, a division within the perfect unity of the Trinity. He assumes that God has the power to do amazing things, and he trusts God. And he says, you know what? Still yet, not my will, but yours be done. So he prays, he asks, and he trusts. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and you're hearing It Must Fall Down, a message delivered to Highway Church in Ormo, Queensland, when Pastor Jeff was visiting recently. Let's continue now. So I'm trying to balance the way I approach my relationship with God and others, and then John 18, the story I told you to turn to. And here's how we read it. When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden. He and his disciples went into it. Verse 2, now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with the disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding the detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who do you want? Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus of the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them when Jesus said, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Now, here's some questions. By the way, don't miss that. They drew back and fell to the ground. Who's coming into the garden to get Jesus? Number one, Bible tells us, a cohort of Roman soldiers. A cohort is somewhere between 600 and 1,000 soldiers. Have you ever thought about that? 600 to 1,000 Roman soldiers come to arrest a carpenter and 12 fishermen. (laughs) Overkill. 
Uh, these Roman soldiers would always be present at the Jerusalem Passover because all the Israelites would come in from all the known world to celebrate the Passover. And they knew that the Israelites were always one step away from rebellion because of the Roman persecution. And so the Romans would send down about 600 to 1,000 men in the outer courts of the temple to guard things, to make sure things don't get out of hand. And then the, the chief priests, those who police the inner courts of the temple, they also had their men ready to pounce in case someone came in to try to cause damage during the Passover celebration. So the Bible tells us that you have these chief priests and scribes who don't believe in the power of Jesus, who think he's a blasphemer, okay? And they want him dead. And you've got the Roman cohort, 600 to 1,000 soldiers who don't really know anything about Jesus, don't really care. They come to arrest him. Roman soldiers, they don't believe he's the Messiah. The temple police, they believe in a Messiah, but they believe Jesus is not him and that he's a blasphemer. And then you got Judas stand there who's working in cahoots with the religious and secular authorities to put an end to Jesus. Now, let's go back again. 600 to 1,000 Roman soldiers, Judas, chief priest scribes, and they bring, the Bible says, torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now, why would they do that? Why would they be ready for a resistance like that? Roman intelligence, we know, top of the mark. They would know that this is Jesus and disciples, and there's no history of the disciples leading any kind of physical warfare, rebellion type of ministry. And yet they bring lanterns and torches. You know, we have a saying in America, I'm not sure we say it in Australia, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. This is more like bringing an atomic bomb to a squirt gunfight. There's no danger here. These men who come to arrest Jesus, they believe he's rebellious, treasonous, blasphemous psychopath. And there's probably somewhere between 600 to 1,000 of them. In verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. You know what the Greek means? It means they drew back and fell to the ground. This is not like Revelation 5 when the elders, uh, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down. This is not humble worship. What happened? What overwhelmed and frightened and scared them to where 600 Roman soldiers who were always ready for a fight, and when they meet someone that they're frightened of or scared of, they don't cower. They dig in their heels and get ready to suppress any kind of oppression. Or rebellion. What happened? This bothered me for years. Every time I'd read it, I'd come across it. Okay, that's interesting. Let's keep moving. What is it? In John 8, verse 4, the second part. Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus says, I am he. But in the original language, he doesn't say I am he. It's, it's simple, ego and me. I am It's the Tetragrammaton, the name of God. You see it all through the Old Testament. If you know anything about the Israelites, they didn't want to speak or write down the name of God. So they would, even when Yahweh is written, it's translated 7,000 times in the Hebrew scriptures. Almighty, the Lord most high, Lord, capital L-O-R-D. When Moses was told by God to go tell Pharaoh, we're going to take all this slave labor out of Egypt and we're going to go to the promised land 
He was afraid Pharaoh was going to say, says who? And Moses wanted to be able to give him a name. So he says, God, who shall I say told me to do this? And in Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's what you say. I am has sent me to you. You know, when you're born, they give you a name. But if you're never born, you're just I am. I am. Who are you looking for? Jesus, the Nazarene, I am. And that, hundreds of them collapsed. The great, the strong, the angry, the hostile. And it's not because they were reverent. It's because at the name of God, they could not stand. Now, what's the point? Do you see what Jesus is communicating here? I love this. He's saying, okay, I'm going to let you arrest me. But don't think for a moment you're in charge. Don't misunderstand my meekness for weakness. Because if I want to, I can speak one word and all of you will fall down to the ground. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're halfway through Pastor Jeff's message called It Must Fall Down. We'll leave it there for today, but please join us again next time to hear the rest of this special message recorded when Pastor Jeff visited Highway Church in Queensland. You've got to get to a point in your life where you're stripped of everything else you depend on other than God. To hear more now, you can head to our website, that's vision.org.au, and search for Jeff Vines. with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.